Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, this week's episode is uh, is actually a very good one, very insightful. I got I got a, a titan in the game, really. Uh, somebody who's been around for a very, very long time, uh, and probably uh, is much underrated. And and I mean that in in the best of ways. I mean that as the highest compliment. He should be known even more than he is now, although he's very well known and very well respected at the moment. I'm of course talking about uh, none other than Alberto Nunes of um, 3DMJ, uh, one of the uh, OG coaches, not just for bodybuilding, but for powerlifting and just, you know, within the space of um, strength and conditioning, I guess, so to speak, but but more so um, bodybuilding and, and hypertrophy and just training in general and as a coach in general. Uh, he's got a wealth of knowledge, wealth of experience. Uh, he's been doing it forever. He's been competing himself, obviously. Uh, so uh, we talked about uh, a little bit about the difference between uh, natural and enhanced uh, uh, lifters and how their uh, training would uh, would differ. Uh, we talk about uh, what things overlap and what similarities there are uh, between powerlifting and bodybuilding in the sense of training. So what things could bodybuilders learn from powerlifters and, and vice versa. Uh, talk about obviously the three, uh, the, the history of 3DMJ and uh, how him and, and Eric Helms and, and the rest of the crew uh, met. We'll talk about uh, some of the classifications between what constitutes a beginner level, intermediate and advanced level lifter, or at least as, as how he sees it. And we talk about two very important things, actually. Uh, for me, these two things stood out. And one was what actually makes a good coach. And the other one was uh, we talked about motivation. So he actually goes into it. I'm not going to say anything about that part. I'll just let him get into it when you listen to it. But he said something that I totally wholeheartedly agree with. And uh, it, it really, if, if you can, as a coach especially, uh, internalize that but even as a as a lifter listening to to it uh, can internalize that you will basically almost never have a problem with getting shit done getting to your goals getting uh, whatever it is that you have in mind regardless of motivation so without further ado i'll, I'll let uh, i'll let um, the podcast episode itself start as usual guys uh, give me any feedback uh, send it straight to amir at adonisathletics.com.au and make sure you like the podcast, uh, you follow the podcast, you you share the podcast. I want you to share this again with uh, two people who you feel could get the most out of it. And let's get into it. Alberto, the king of lean, the probably the only person I know who's got a negative uh, body fat percentage. How are you, mate? Welcome to the show. Thank you, man. They're throwing around those negative body fat percentages like around everywhere. It's, it's yeah, yeah. It's, I guess it's contagious, man. It's like, it's like the COVID. Yeah. <laughs> um, mate, I uh, uh, thank you for joining me. Um, even though this is literally the first time we are we are actually talking, thanks to uh, Ellie. Uh, she gave us the introduction, and when she told me, I was like, "Yeah, absolutely, man. Get get Alberto on here because uh, he's he's just a living book, and uh, I want to learn from him. People out there want to learn from him. So, I just want to delve into some stuff with you. Um, uh, I'm going to try and keep it as fresh as possible because I know you probably answer the same kind of stuff all the time, and it probably gets old for you. But uh, you know, and, and 
I mean, that's for a good reason. People just want to know what you've got to say. People want to uh, delve into your your history. And speaking of which, uh, why don't you share with us uh, your history, how you got into training and then uh, how you got involved with, and, and uh, you know, became one of the founding uh, coaches of 3DMJ and uh, what your accomplish- accomplishments have been along along the way. Ooh, um, well, first of all, I never thought I'd, I'd be here. Um, the strength training thing was just something that uh, I, I think I was a late bloomer when I really compared it to how early I could have started. Like it was always there, like, you know, most American sports, the major ones, like encourage you, like, hey, go lift some weights. But I just, I think because my father did it, I just, I never wanted to do it. So, you know, kind of rebelling against, you know, what, what pops it. And he did it decently well. So I think that was part of it too. It's like, oh, what if like, it doesn't work on me, right? Um, but yeah. uh, at some point, I just had this summer where I needed something to do, took it up. It felt so natural. It felt so good. And it was, you know, how the new gains are. Like, it's like, oh, I go on Monday. What I do Wednesday beats what I did on Monday. Come back Friday. I'm stronger than Wednesday. Um, yeah. And that really worked. So it was love at, at first pump, basically, for me. Um, but I didn't think I'd be <laughs> man not at all you know um what 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 shaped that decision uh, you know how did you how did you come about because then you got into obviously um bodybuilding shows and that how did that come about did you is it just because that love that that uh, just built up into it and and you just felt like this is something you want to do you want to try out and then just went from there so with like traditional sports, like the one thing I was always lacking, like it wasn't necessarily athletic ability. It wasn't like instinct for sports, but it was my length. Just uh, I wasn't, I, I didn't take up much space. So, um, so whenever I would lift, I was almost like once a season started or whatever it was, I was like, oh, this is good. I get to lose this weight because I'm starting to look kind of like shorter than I actually am. You know, I was starting to look stubby. So it was one of those love-hate things. I'm like, look, I like lifting weights, but I don't think I ever want to go like that far. Um, and uh, shoot, at some point, it's like you, I ran out of sports uh, kind of on purpose. I was just having issues with my left foot that just I kept wrecking that thing. So I'm like, all right. Um, and then right ankle sprain um, as well. So, But I figured out I could squat, and I'm like, all right, well, let's just, let's just do this thing. Let's just do it right. And um, – Eventually, you're like, okay, so I need some, I need something else other than PRs, and uh, I miss NPC T Nationals like by a few months. By the time I found out that was available, I'm like, oh, I'd like it's too late. Um, so I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna keep bulking, 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 bulking until like I can join like the grown man team. And uh, it, it took a full, I think, five years of just like focusing on like growing and getting better as a bodybuilder before I finally stepped on that stage. And from there, everything happened overnight. I, I met Eric Helms at my first show. Uh, we were, without knowing, we're more so just making friends, man, because we were tired of being those weirdos that, like, just did the bodybuilding thing by ourselves. We picked up Jeff Alberts. We picked up Brad Loomis. We met them all at shows. And then before yeah. we knew it, well, yeah, you know, collectively, we got something to offer, and it just kind of happened, man. So blessed. What, what year was that? What year was your first show? Uh, 2007. 2007. Okay, going way back. Going way back. Um, and uh, who coached you through the prep for this competition? Uh, myself for the first one. Um, I think I had the false assumption that 
I guess I didn't believe in outsourcing. Now I do like more than ever, you know? Um, but I was like, you know what? I want to learn. And that's honestly like one of the worst ways you can learn. It's like, Hey, there's people out there that could, you know, help you sift, like, you know, separate the, the, the shit and the ice cream as, as I like to say, uh, from the ice cream. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, learn the hard way next year. I hired Lane Norton and, uh, and it was just, day and night man because the day the, the first time i competed i'm like you know what maybe i just i don't have it for this like maybe i'm okay at lifting weights mm. and put on a decent amount of muscle but maybe the sports just isn't isn't for me yeah. uh i gave it one more shot lane got me peeled out my mind and uh i'm like wow like why didn't i think of this before yeah yeah i i uh, i do remember uh, lane you're working with lane um back in the early days. Uh, and and that's a very important point, something that you just touched up on, you know, uh, a lot of times, people will try to do it themselves, because they feel like there's not much more a coach can add, or that or they feel like they uh, know what they're doing, they'll figure it out. And then when they when they don't do so well, they don't have a good experience on that on that day, which is very likely, especially in the early days, they uh, can have it can have that psychological impact on you, just like what you said. Like they could start to feel like maybe this is not for me. Maybe I'm not built for this. Maybe, uh, you know, I'm not athletic enough. Maybe I'm not good enough. You know, all those types of negative stuff. And uh, unfortunately, some some people actually don't make it to the next stage that you did. Thankfully, you did where you actually chased it again and, and went and got a coach. They just leave the sport. And so that there, there's all this potential that could have been had, that could have been shown within the sport. And we'll never see it and they'll never see it um, because of just that uh, bad taste in their mouth from that first experience. So I think you're, you're absolutely right in that regards. Um, were you, were you involved um, heavily into, into sports uh, in high school? And if so, like what kind of, what kind of sports were you playing mostly? Um, so I would, as a kid, I would do basically every sport I could get my hands on, like my behind my parents' back because they didn't really understand. They're like, academics is what we do, and that's all we do. Um, so, and I mean, legitimately, they I guess they didn't know that, especially here when you apply to college. I think most everywhere is like you want to have a diversified portfolio, like, you know. Um, and uh, so, anyhow, it wasn't until like I think my yeah my first two last years of high school where I was like, you know what. I'm just going to do this and it's uh, going to keep me out of trouble. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I was decently good at it, but I think I enjoyed it more because I was decently good at it and not necessarily the process and the work ethic wasn't necessarily there. Um, I just like to compete more than anything, but bodybuilding was different where it was like, you can't miss a week and come back and expect to like be stronger, mm. you know, whereas uh, I think especially yeah. even the pre-track, like whether it's baseball whether it's football, uh, American football, it's like if you have the instinct, if you're at the right place at the right time, if you refuse to lose, you'll do fairly well. But with it, there's, yeah. there's a lucky punch in bodybuilding, you know? Do you do you find yourself to be a naturally competitive person? Um, yeah, when I care. It, it's, like a light, it's like a light switch. It's like it's either there or it's not. Um, so... Yeah, like things like bowling. I did top golf the other day. I didn't care, but once I'm like in there, oh yeah, it's like yeah, I'm, I'm going for blood. Uh, 
let's talk about something that's, that's uh, probably really important and, and um, one of the in, in, intangibles um, that probably doesn't get addressed enough, and that is motivation. So, you know, you obviously have worked with so many clients over the years. Um, talk about your own motivation, uh, for sure. Um, understand we just just like I do, just like everybody else does. You have uh, dips, you have peaks in motivation, uh, times where you just don't even want to even look at a gym. You know, you don't just don't feel like it. Uh, I assume you do. Uh, so, how do you deal with that yourself? And then, how do you how do you address that entire topic, that entire issue, with uh, clients? Mm-hmm. Especially in a, in a sport like bodybuilding, where you know it's so, I assume it's so much. Look, I'm involved in powerlifting, majority, right? That's my strength sports and and, and combat sports is my main thing. But I can imagine in in, in bodybuilding, there's so much um, uh, of a mental connection and emotional connection to results, to how you look, you know, especially p- probably because of the the type of demographics and psychographics of of people that it draws to the sport. Um, whether there, might, there may be certain insecurities there and stuff like that tied to how they look and the results that they expect and, and whatnot. So uh, I'm blabbing on. Uh, talk about that. Yeah, no, the, the motivation bit. I think, I think to start is like you need a really good why, you know, a solid, solid why. And you need to like dissect that thing and like really take – because your why might be for a very like toxic reason, you know. Um, but you know, once you have your whys in order, I think it starts there. Um, like I've seen people this, maybe you've seen this before where because of uh, health issues are like, okay, I guess now I really have to, you know, start to, to exercise. Mm. Right. And, you know, prior to that, For like, sure. you know, they, they couldn't put in a complete week at the gym. So that's a very strong why. So, you know, I think for me, it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's, you know, I have my, my whys in order and it, it just so happens that as time goes on, I try to add in like more whys because I think initially it was just, I want to compete and I want to like, I want to beat who's at that show. But, you know, now we've, you know, we've added other things like, well, I want to be a good example to, to others. Like I, I want to have an impact, um, you know, so I've, 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 that portfolio has grown immensely over the years. And, you know, when one thing's not necessarily clicking, it's like, okay, but, you know, I need to do this because I need to train. So, for example, like during uh, the lockdown, uh, when we were like at peak lockdown in my state, um, there was days where I'm like, I don't want to train. But I knew there was some of my athletes who had it far worse um, and it was going to be that way for a lot longer. So that was a huge why, you know. But, uh, but no, just like everyone else, it's like, yeah, there's ups and downs. And your training should to an extent. Like you should strike when you're hungry. And then like when you're not feeling it 100%, it's like, hey, it's okay to cruise because on paper, this is something that this is like a, like a lifetime commitment. So expect that, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So for, for people listening out there, and maybe for your clients, do you recommend having some sort of a, I think you touched on this just then at the end, some sort of a plan B, something where you can just maintain, if you don't feel that motivation burning as, as like always, go and do this thing that's 50% of what you normally do and, and just to stay just to stay in there, something like that? 
Oh yeah, yeah, and I mean, fifty percent is still a lot. Like when you think about it, right? Mm. Like it's, it's let's not ignore the fact that it's like half. It's a huge chunk, um, and uh, and yet yeah, hardly ever. I mean, does it work out where someone like I guess actually like really quits on themselves, and then like afterwards, like I think that was the right move. Like usually, like almost almost regardless of how hard things are, it's like you know, as long as you do something, you look back and you'll be like, wow, I'm proud of myself for just sticking it through with what I could manage. So true, man. Uh, you know, you don't you don't think about it at the time because you're so emotional, and uh, yeah, you know that. You don't think that later on uh, you're going to look back on it when you, when the emotions have settled and you're like, man, I shouldn't have done that. I should have just kept going with it, you know. And you never ever um, sort of you never ever get down on yourself for for going through um, with a even even a, a shitty session, you know, just getting something done. Uh, in fact, like you said, it makes you feel that sense of sort of pride, like a, you got something done and you got went through with it. So. Yeah, uh, the why is the why is really important. Yeah, it, it'll come back, and and honestly, like you will always be able to pull from that, like because it's not going to be the last time you feel that way. And you remember, like, oh, like I remember when you know this happened, that happened, and I was able to get it together, and I felt really amazing about that afterwards. And uh, it, it, I think not only does it make you know those dips less deep, but you know they don't last as long. But then on the other side, it I think it makes your highs higher because, you know, like training is more than just like training for whatever it is that you're doing. There's just like training is a microcosm for, for life. Like, like you, you do this long enough, you constantly see that. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. hundred percent. And, and you know, that, that why, uh, changes through time, you know, as you, as you grow older, as your life changes, uh, as you start to realize what's, what's more important to you, um, it, it doesn't necessarily have to stay the same uh, all the time and, and won't stay the same all the time. But uh, to to really stick to it long term and, and get somewhere, you really need to understand, I guess, and, and question who you want to be, what your identity is and, and what you want to be known for or known as to yourself and to others around you and really get clear about that and understand that there's going to be drop-offs uh, through time. There's going to be dips. You're not going to be just on fire all the time. It doesn't work like that. And uh, know that at the end of the day, even going through it builds that character and uh, to be able to come back from that. So, I mean, that's uh, th this one of those things where you kind of got to uh, – guide the person down the path and let them just figure it out. It's not It's not a, like a, a programming thing where you just write it out and you go, do exactly this. Uh, they just got to figure it out as they go. Um, all right. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, what are some of the main differences uh, in training uh, in natural bodybuilders versus, versus enhanced bodybuilders that they need to keep in mind? Man, um, well, I think for the most part, it, it's going to work relatively like the same. It's just on one side, it, things just happen a lot faster. Um, and uh, there's you know there's pros and cons to both for sure. I've made my decision, but you know that's one thing I, I try to make as clear as possible. Is that like, hey, whatever you decided to do, like you know, 
Um, like that's your version of the sport. Uh, we actually have a podcast coming up pretty pretty soon here on uh, on basically like the like let's unify both sides because you know, for the most part we have we have more in common than not. Most of my early training partners were were enhanced, um, and that's because um, it just wasn't as popular you know back then. Um, but um, but yeah, I think that's it's the timescales are, are 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 really different, uh, but the exact same rules. Um, I, but I will say this: I think if you're use, if you're not using, it's like you have to get more things right, you know, because sometimes for the enhanced athletes, especially younger enhanced athletes, it's like oh they get stuck and they go to that one variable, you know, when that would in their shoes, <clears throat> I guess perhaps make me feel a little uneasy because I'm like I didn't even sort that out and I'm just going to run into that same thing like later on but it's going to be a bigger version of myself um so and i I think the same thing kind of goes for the natty athlete like what happens with them is like sometimes because things just happen slower they're always changing variables like always everything instead of just really kind of sitting on something and like tweaking one or two things at a time so you run into different blind spots for sure you know um but I think relatively, at the end of the day, like both sports are a lot about like delayed gratification, uh, many sacrifices, and um, and learning to basically get out of your own way. I don't think there's another sport that, that does it quite to the extent as, as bodybuilding because it, you know, it's like the practice that never ends. Uh, you train, yeah. you have to come home, and you have to eat, and there's all these mm-hmm. decisions make throughout the day where you know it intertwines and it can potentially impact your bodybuilding so um you run into different problems but generally speaking i think things should be like more or less the same i wish they were in a perfect world but you know obviously people don't see it that way all the time um what about in regards to uh, like patterns that you notice so uh, as a general pattern as a general rule of thumb uh i assume you would see that uh, they would recover faster so maybe they can they can go a little bit harder uh, and correct mm-hmm. me if i'm wrong here um, you know things like that do you do you notice any other recurring patterns that are distinctly different um that has to be considered within the programming of one versus the other can one get away more uh with eating um uh be away from the the peak of the show uh, a little bit further out can one get away more with with eating a little bit more lax uh versus the other these types of patterns are there are there any that stand out for you um from over the years yeah you know it's because like for like every like for example just within drugs themselves it's like we look at things as like these are the side effects and this is what is supposed to happen, but these are the side effects. When in reality, it's like, no, no, they're all side effects. And we just like box these ones into ones we don't want. And then these ones, ones that we do want. Um, and one thing that you touched upon there is just like, yeah, things happen at a more accelerated rate. And one of those reasons is because, yeah, you can, I don't think it needs to be super crazy because, uh, the, the difference is in volume per se, because it's you're going to be a stronger, bigger person. And that in itself, it's like, okay, like this whole system still has to cleanse the fact that, you know, now you're doing sets of 10 to 15 with 500 pounds on the squat as opposed to like, say, 400, you know? So, but 
the catch 22 there is a, that I see with a lot of enhanced athletes is that usually by the time they get to their like late thirties or early forties, because connective tissue doesn't cooperate nearly as well as, as enhanced uh, skeletal muscle. Um, you do see like more, more of our iron bros like limping. So everything, there's like nothing is free, man. Like nothing is free. Um, um, there's always going to be like some yeah. small, uh, to whatever it might be. So I, you know what, at the end of the day, I think the experience kind of evens out. Um, yeah. and you, you, you need to do your research before, uh, you buy in. And that's one of the reasons that I am like, Hey, you know, maybe like stay natural for a while, like learn all your fundamentals. Um, and then like, I guess one of the reasons I love like listening to Dorian Yates talk, because that's a dude that eating cake on his preps before like the it if it fits your macro stuff was even cool because he understood yeah. his fundamentals and remember a few years back he posted what was his cycle and you had all these like local competitors like that is a lie there's no freaking way and it's like well maybe you skipped out on a few steps you know so um <laughs> so you know i, I think it, the, the road to the top is tough either way um it, it is it is it is it is um, there's just uh, different errors that, that are being made. Um, uh, although, you know, to cite, I guess my folks is that I guess the errors that happen the most with the natural bodybuilders, again, is just like the lack of patience and the changing stuff way, way, way too much. Cause they're, it's not happening as fast as year one, two or, or three. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like, man, like to do it well, like either side is, yeah, it, it, it's going to be a tough long ride that's going to, in, for streaks of time, like require your undivided attention and, and not just physically lifestyle, but also when it comes to, to your learning. Yeah, man, that Dorian, he was, uh, he was one of a kind. Uh, <laughs> it's so good watching him train still to this day, you know, and just learning from him from like different talks and stuff, but his training and his mentality was just something else. Um, I love that dude. Yeah. Who's, who's probably comparable comparable to him right now? Is there anybody? Mm, okay. Um, let's see. Um, I, I I like John Meadows on the enhanced side a lot, a lot, a lot. He's 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 who I you know whenever like my bros have questions and you know like and it's on that side of things. I'm like you know go check out John. Although they probably know about John, but I'm like. Hey, like maybe stop training like that bodybuilder you really like who you like people buy into like programs and ways of thinking like based off like their personality. Like, you know, this guy yes. has grown to be rock yes. music. I love that. So I'm going to follow his stuff. And it's like your, your muscle cells don't don't give a fuck, man. But yeah, but but yeah, no, John, like brilliant. I think on the natural side, man, um, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm biased, but I, I really like the way Jeff goes about it. Just because, um, and he's 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 about Jeff Alberts, one of one of my colleagues and coaches at 3D Muscle Journey. He's about to be 50, and whenever we go like we leave, people just can't stop looking at Jeff. It's just like everywhere yeah. he goes, it's like. It's like in, if I were to ask him, how old do you think that dude is? He'd probably say like, oh, he's yeah, he's a little gray, but he's probably like 37, 38, you know, but it's like, nah, that, that dude, 
he just looks like a car can hit him and he's he'd be fine um so, <laughs> yeah but, but yeah he's yeah man, he's a beast he is he um is. like little, little known fact uh, many many years ago uh, uh the 3G, 3dmj crew came down uh, to to australia and uh we hosted them at, at my gym um and he was there and when i was looking and i was like man this dude is fucking awesome shape you know and then when i found out his age I'm, it became even more impressive you know so um yeah he's he's uh he gets called out he was the times right for for being a fake natty or whatever right yeah yeah that's that's what happens if you look better than like past year three you know it's just like we're all supposed yeah. to stay on three. <laughs> yeah it's crazy man you touched on something that's very important um you, you said people uh, look to take on uh, the programs of of somebody that they like that they they you know they just they just like them so or or you know they admire their physique and they follow that program and, and you're you know exactly right your your muscle cells don't give a fuck obviously they're doing it because of an emotional uh, connection to whether that person or with those types of results so they're seeing that even in powerlifting is the same, right? In all sports, but certainly in powerlifting, they look at uh, the world number one and they're like, here's world number one. What is his program? I want his program. But uh, you're like, hang on a fucking second, step back. Uh, you got to look at w- how what's your training age and look at what his program was at your training age. And that's what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, how do you get around how do you get around that and and uh, what is what's some insight you can give to the listeners in regards to that uh, because it's a mistake that gets made often and um, maybe uh, you can uh, light up a, bo- a light bulb for somebody listening to this and they can understand aha so that's why you don't do that and what what should I do instead yeah um, man you know I think a big reason as to why is um man i almost see so bodybuilding itself i see it as like a sport slash art kind of deal it's it's like a blend but you know, it's like the sort of um body recompositioning you know essentially um it's a newer hobby i guess right in some ways like it's crazy to believe that when arnold's pumping iron came out it's like people like whoa like folks can do this with themselves like it must have looked like guys that just like pierce their liver nowadays. Well, you know, if you don't, you're not in that crew, you're like, whoa, you know, um, it was, it was just not common. Um, but because of this, and I think to an extent powerlifting is seeing some improvements in this. And I think because the entry entry barriers is not quite as big when you're younger and that's it. And you see just younger lifters, like starting up the sport, right? It's like, you know, I, I see 18, 19, 20 years. I'm like, I wish I had that sort of guidance, that sort of knowledge. And I sat in, on top of the shoulder of the giants that you guys sit on right now. Cause that's why you guys are like so freaking strong, not to take away anything from them as athletes, but, but, you know, we can see that developing. Um, and that's what, but, but still there's something lacking there and even more so for bodybuilding in that you look at all other sports and there is like, say for, I don't know, um, we'll say uh, baseball. It's like at age five, you should be able to do this. And at age seven, these are the skills we, skills we acquire. And um, at 10, this, and, and, you know, it's like, there's these like tiers that, you know, you build up through as, as you develop as an athlete, there is like none of that for, for our sports. I think the muscle and strength pyramids that Eric put together is probably the closest thing to that right now. Um, but, uh, but I, I think just in general, like, 
making the principles of, um, and I'm sure with combat sports, like there's like, um, um, there's all these things that, you know, you teach someone when they're first getting started. And it's probably a combination of not just basic skills, but, but etiquette as well, you know? Um, so I think that knowledge needs to be more prevalent. And I think if we started there and everyone was, you know, had that in the back of their mind, they'd be a lot better about, um, I don't know, like, well, rest in peace, like but Rich Piana. It's like, I really relate to this guy. He's like someone I feel like I'd sit down and have a beer with and we'd have a good time. It's like, well, that's cool. It's cool that he motivates you, but maybe you shouldn't train like him, you know? Um, so I think like a lot of things, it just comes down to, to education. Um, but it's just hard to have people really understand the value in that. And I think it's, it's hard to understand it until like you've been through it. You've been wrong a number of, of times, thought you've known everything a number of times, and then you realize you know very little, and then you restart, the, the, you know, and it's it's like, once you go through that process long enough, it's like, whoa, like, man, like, I can see why this is intimidating for folks, and I wish there was a more consolidated version of everything I had to go through. And that's why those, those books are so damn awesome, because that's exactly what they do. It's like my first eight years, what took me eight years to learn, you can learn in a week. Yeah, absolutely. Those are those are great books. Um, anybody listening um, and they want to just uh, read something that that really makes sense, that really has some good solid info, they can actually use um, the muscle strength pyramids and pyramid books are are fantastic. Uh, not just for training, but but also for nutrition. Uh, there's there's both of those. Uh, what about some similarities uh, that um, powerlifting can draw from bodybuilding and bodybuilders or bodybuilding can draw from powerlifting? Uh, are there any? Uh, how would they? How can they complement each other and, and make each athlete a better athlete? Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, so powerlifting, I think it's still like right now to this day, it's like my favorite sport to watch. Like, I think. 99.9% of the world will understand, but no matter where IPF Worlds is going on, it's like I'm right there, like watching on YouTube. Mm. Um, so I love the sport. Um, I work with uh, quite a few powerlifters. And uh, and because of that, it's like I have, yeah, I have access to both sides. And, um, and yeah, there's definitely a lot of things that each group can learn from, from the other. I think when it comes to what the powerlifters can learn from the bodybuilders, um, I'd say just some of... Um, maybe not the extremes of contest prep, but some of the nutritional like know-how. Like there's some powerlifters I'll inherit, and I'm like, okay, so you're 185 pounds, and you eat like 120, 110 grams of protein a day. It's like, come on, man. You know, um, you know, because bodybuilders, they yeah. you know, they're on top of their protein feedings, on top of their sleep, they're on top of their hydration. Yeah. Um, often they're hermits. It's like Friday night. Yeah, for night, sure. You know, so I guess more of the stuff outside of the gym. I think, uh, and so some of the how serious the bodybuilders do take their their hypertrophy work because a lot of the powerlifters that I've seen like bodybuilders that I've seen make the jump from bodybuilding to powerlifting it's it's when they really like get into it like usually within a year or two it's like they're having quite a bit of success in that sport that hundred percent so um hundred percent so yeah that but it's also the other way around too man I think. Powerlifters, uh, I love to watch when someone on like on, on Instagram posts a squat single. They're like at eight, and then like 
everyone just everyone just goes and they're like, no, it wasn't, man. So like, <laughs> the like macho flex magazine, like hardcore, it's like that's sifted out. It's like, no, we need to be smart. We need to manage fatigue. We need to make good decisions. We need to be poised. We need to be structured. We need to plan ahead. Maybe you don't have to do it to that extent with, with you know, hypertrophy specific training, but there's a lot to be learned. Like if some of these guys saw what sort of uh, work capacity these powerlifters, especially the, the raw drug free powerlifters end up at, at, at a certain point, um, they didn't just get there and they didn't just get that strong like overnight. It was, it was strategic and there's something to be learned there. So it frustrates me, man, because it's like, it's more so like, no, I'm not like them. When in reality, it's like, Hey, look, the DYL like powerlifters, they wouldn't mind a little extra muscle. Okay. Don't lie. And the same thing with the bodybuilders. Like, so you're telling me I could make a genie appear and like make you 25% stronger. You wouldn't take it. So, Mm. so yeah, there's, so much to be learned, so much to be learned. Um, and it's sometimes frustrating you know, to just watch everyone like kind of just keep to themselves. Yeah, man, I think you, you hit, I mean, there's, there's more stuff we can, we can delve into, but I think the ones that you mentioned are definitely top of the list, uh, you know, in terms of powerlifters paying more attention to stuff outside of the gym, as you said, in particular nutrition, because you're right, so many of them you speak to and you're like, how much protein you're having? And they're like, yeah, 100 grams, 120 grams. And you're like, man, what are you doing? Like, uh, there's no recovery there. There's no progress. You're slowing everything down. Their sleep is shit. You know, they, they, they think there's this notion that, you know, I'm a powerlifter, so I can just be just some fat, strong dude. You know what I mean? And it doesn't work like that. Um, you need to nourish the body. You need to sleep well. You, uh, you need to, if you're, if you're really serious about a particular comp, yeah, you gotta you gotta give up that that going out on the Saturday night, getting home at two a.m. because sleep's gonna get affected. You know, uh, alcohol before sleep is gonna affect your sleep quality. Uh, so yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, IIFIM and whatever aside, yes, you can have alcohol and still make results, but that doesn't mean that you should um, at a particular time. You know, and uh, the other thing that you said, which was so true and uh, i i said this in the last podcast with i think it was with mike israel or somebody else uh the same thing i've noticed over over um over the years coaching powerlifters all the ones that walk through the door who have come from a bodybuilding type background uh not necessarily have done shows but have just done a lot of time in the gym just building the body they all make such fast progress. They, they get to the top so, so much quicker than other people who come in because they saw uh, powerlifters on Instagram and now they just want to get into strength sports or powerlifting or even strongman for that reason, for, uh, for that fact. Um, and they, they just don't take any time to put on any muscle. They just go straight. They want to go straight into a heavy, heavy work, you know, a sub five reps and just like heavy squatting, heavy deadlifting, and heavy benching, and that's it. That's all they want to do, and they're close, close sort of variations. And and I'm like, man, just slow down, take your time. It's gonna, it needs time. Uh, it's strength. You have to. There's so much morphological adaptation that needs to happen. It takes time. You're not gonna be. It doesn't matter how fast you go. Even if you accelerate everything, uh, you you turn it up to ten, you're still gonna need like years, years and years, six, seven, eight years before you see anything like significant, uh, unless you're genetically gifted or have come from a, a very solid athletic background when you were younger, which a lot of people have not. Um, and 
they some, they just don't want to listen. And I think it's going back to what you said. It's about educating people and having um, having those types of infrastructure in place where the coaches know to do it from the get go. Where there is, there is more um, content like that covered online and and things like that. But I mean, just so important and, and i'm glad you said it yourself because because sometimes you need to hear the advice from the uncle not the dad you know what i mean and um yeah that that shit is important man no the the like uh, the truth is it's like that's one of the fundamentals of powerlifters it's like i think you need to get to the point where you have that right before advanced level of bodybuilder uh, musculature uh, before it just gets way too complicated and you'd have to dedicate so much time that's like just not specific to your sport in order to get more jacked. Like you need to get to about there uh, before, you know, I guess um, you can probably maybe ease up a little bit, but you're still going to need some training cycles where, yeah, it's like, hey, let me bring back the, that, that armor. Let me make the engine size uh, bigger before I, you know, pop it back in, in the car. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's like conditioning work. I think sometimes like the hypertrophy for like the powerlifters that like a lot of sports depend on, it's like, it's like, hey, yo, bro, have you been on your bike like outside of like the practices? And it's like, no, I haven't. You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's like that, but it's worth it. once you see the results, you're like, oh, okay. Well, not only that, but like, hey, I look a little better. No, nothing wrong with that either. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hundred um, percent. To you, what do you think? What do you think makes a makes a good coach? And you know, and you know, in your own evolution over the years as a coach, what is what have you found that you've changed that's, that's made you better? Um, in any sort of way, not in any specific, uh, in any particular way specifically. Uh, you know, I think the just giving a fuck. If you really do, like everything else, kind of takes care of itself. Um, like I'm always um, like speaking of Ellie, like that's how I met Ellie. She went to you know, and like we're almost exclusively eighty percent of us. It's like. <clears throat> we're into the, like the extreme side of body recompositioning. Like that's, that's what we do, but it's like to just be there and like, it's like, I need to learn more. And that's because you give a fuck, you know? So like, if you do and you know, you're having issues with this, this and that with your athletes, it's like someone who really, really cares. They will take a moment to, to really like analyze themselves and be like, okay, what is it I'm lacking? Is it the interpersonal soft skills? Is it like my programming? Is there something wrong with, the way I handle my nutrition, it might just, you know, are my tiers that I have set up for this kind of person, this kind of person, that kind of person, are they maybe not working? Um, if you care, you'll be very critical of yourself and your work and you'll always be striving to get better. So I think that's the first thing. And I think that's a big warning sign. And, and where I've seen a lot of trainers go wrong is when they got to the point that they've burned out and they don't care anymore. Um, that's when, just everything slowly starts uh, to crumble, and, and um, there's a lot of science involved in this. And that they become dinosaurs, like, and they get left behind. And that new crop comes. And, and again, like one of the hallmarks of being a professional for me is like being able to stay up with your profession as it progresses and 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 gets better itself. But you need to care. That's a very important point that you just brought up the the whole burnout thing. How do you um, how do you recommend coaches out there not burn out? How do you uh, how do you yourself or you know I assume you over the years because you do a majority of your coaching online? Am I correct? 
Yeah, yeah, and I wish I could do more in person because it's it's a lot of fun. But I, it's mostly yeah, mostly, yeah. So you know, being online uh, because in person, as you said, is 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 first of all a lot of fun, uh, but also you get to um, you know adjust things. You get to have that. It's just that thing, right? It's it's right there in front of people talking to them. Um, being online and having some disadvantage there in some aspects and some advantages in other aspects. Uh, how do you yourself, and, and this is, you know, you giving advice to coaches out there who do have online clients and maybe have a growing on, uh, number of online clients and are maybe starting to feel some sort of burnout. How do you recommend uh, or what have you found are good good ways to streamline things, to minimize burnout to and, and maximize efficiency? So even maybe with less time, you get more out of people, you know. Uh, what are some strategies you've found that works over time uh, to be able to do that? Yeah, yeah, shoot. I mean, it's, I think no matter what it is that, that I mean, no matter how much you love something it's at a certain point, like, like we were talking about like the training motivation, right? Like I, I still experience it. I think um, a good chunk of, I think last year was actually in regards to, to, um, how I was feeling about training, it wasn't very good. Like I was just kind of like, all right, we're going to do four days a week of training because this is really like all I can muster right now. And a few other altercations, uh, changes just, just for the sake of, of, um, um, yeah, giving me like space to kind of regenerate a little bit more. And the same thing like for sure applies to like training others. Um, there's nothing wrong with like maybe taking periods of time where, it's like, you know what, I'm okay and, and willing to make less to just kind of like refresh myself a little bit. Like, I think that's huge. Like I let my client, my athlete uh, roster kind of fluctuate, you know, um, that's, that's, uh, you know, when I need space, I'll take some space. And then when I'm ready to go, it just, it kind of happens naturally. It's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. I'm and like, I'm thinking more uh, about like this stuff, like in my leisure times, I'm like writing notes and things down. Uh, but you can't force it, man. You can't, you can't, you can't make it just pop back up because it would be really handy and economically make a whole lot of sense. Um, but so yeah, fluctuate that, like, like let, you know, if you have the privilege where you can do that and like, you know, have your workload changed to what, you know, probably meshes with you. And I say the other thing is before you know it, like if you become very successful at this, oh, it, it, it gets to the point where it can be your t- entire life. So, you know, have other hobbies, do other things. Um, you know, after a weekend where I, I've done nothing that's like fitness related, it's like I sit down, I look at my Excel spreadsheets. Um, I look at that article that I was halfway through writing and I'm like, wow, like I can't wait to get lost in this. So, uh, you know, like anything else, like, shoot, like with a significant other, no matter how much you love that person, it's like you always miss them more when it's been like, man, I, I ain't seen you in a little bit. Right. It's like they, they went for the weekend. So um, so same thing with this. You need to give yourself some space and, and you know, just diversify things a, a little bit if you want to make it like make it make it. Uh, do you do you. um uh, set your uh, weekly routine in a particular way where, uh, you know, on, on say Tuesdays and, and Thursdays, uh, you have face-to-face like uh, Zoom meetings or whatever. Uh, and then 
and then on other days and other times you do programming and stuff like that. So is it set like that? Uh, give us a little bit of an insight into your weekly routine like that, if it is. Yeah, I'm a little bit more, I think, type B than like I think most people who gravitate towards uh, fitness. But I've learned that even then it's like, bro, you need some sort of structure. You need some sort of boundaries. Um, and, uh, and the only, I guess the only like perk to like being okay with chaos to an extent is like, if something goes wrong, it's like, I, I don't freak out and I don't panic, but, um, but yeah, I, I need to manage my energy and my time that way. And, and, uh, and yeah, I have a routine now where basically first thing I do every morning, um, what take a moment for myself is like, I go get caffeinated. It's a little walk to the supermarket, come back. Um, have my first meeting of the day. Usually I do about one Skype call uh, Monday through Friday. Um, then I have breakfast, have time with my dogs. And then basically the middle of the day is like to really get on it. And I'll give myself deadlines for the day before starting. And I, they're almost unrealistic at times. But when I crush them, it's like, oh, okay. Like it just empowers you and it makes you feel good. Um, and then like after that, it's like, say like four or 5 PM, everything after that's just like my time. Like that is it. And that does include training. Um, but again, it's, it feels like my time. I'm not at home. I'm away. Um, usually in the day with something not fitness related, um, you know, some other hobby, something that I want to learn about reading. But, uh, but yeah, that time away and being organized in regards to like where you're going to fit this in because, man, like it can burn you out. And then like, before you know it, it's like, Hey, you're that fitness guy and, um, and you know, like your friends and family. And, and, and in my case, it's like, it's just, if I let it like not stop, it'll never stop. And at a certain point it's like, I, yeah, I need to press the, the off button. Yeah, man. Like, uh, especially with you guys with 3DMJ, I mean, you've got so much going on. Um, obviously it's very prominent and, People are always looking to you guys for for new content, for advice, trying to come on, you know, and, and, and know that you guys yourselves are looking for ways always to improve things, improve your services, improve what you put out there. So I can only imagine, um, you know, how much you could it could bear down on you guys um, at, at some times. And it's important to, to have that time for yourself um, throughout the week and, and just be able to ration things out otherwise – just crash and crash and burn, man. In in the in the hopes of trying to make progress, but you actually regress or well, at least stagnate, probably at, at the best, and don't get anywhere. Career uh, periodization. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's it's uh, it's a good insight what you said in regards to uh, having times where when you just feel like it, just stepping back a little bit, not taking on any more clients or even like you're palming some clients off to, to somebody else or whatnot. And then, and then, you know, I guess the, the fear people have is if I do that, then I'm going to lose potential clients. I can't do that. I can't, I can't hand over responsibility to somebody else because what if they don't come back? And also I can't s stop and slow down because of, you know, being going well and I, I can't stop that momentum. Uh, what did you have those thoughts yourself and uh, how did you overcome them and if you didn't what would you say to people who, who would have those types of thoughts 
Yeah, it's one of those things where like training again, like life again. It's like they they run there's yeah they run parallel sometimes because like sometimes that's how training mm-hmm. is. It's, man, I've been benching the same way forever, ever, 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 and then finally like it just unglues. Um, and I think regardless of how good you are at the programming, um, like how much you know and how objective you think you are, it's just going to happen at some point where you're just, it's just like, Hey, you know, you're going to get stuck, stay patient. Okay. Like, so that's the normal cycle of things anyways. So I think sometimes rather than just being frustrated that like it is that way, like I will like on my own, I kind of just pick places where, okay, I'm going to pull back a little bit and then I'm going to go really hard here. And like now it's kind of, you know, happening like on my own terms, as opposed to like here I am frustrated because I'm giving everything at it and, and, and nothing's happening. Uh, which I honestly like back to training. I remember for me, I think for me, like when I'm going hard and things are going well, it's like every five six weeks I have to deload. Um, and the way it mm-hmm. used to be pre deload, it's like I would just be on fire, and then for some reason, like on the fifth sixth week, it's like I'm just like I, I, I warming up hurts, right? So. Like now it's like, it's formally a deload. So yeah, same thing with your career and most like everything in life. It's like, there's a time and place and there's always something like new to work on. It's like, maybe my career has been going so well and I've been so busy, but I've kind of, I've let some of the really important personal relationships like kind of fizzle out a little bit. So let me, let me, let me work on those, you know, things like that. So there's always work to be done, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That never goes anywhere, you know. You can always come back to it. I noticed, um, noticed behind you, you got that uh, incredible Hulk and Wolverine poster on the wall. That was actually one of my favorites. Yeah. Hey, well, who's yeah. your favorite? The He's Hulk. Or you know what? I, I like uh, Wolverine because he was uh, he was powerful, but not like crazy powerful. It's like you know he he yeah. had his devices, he had his issues. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, so I, I like that part. He was short, I, I believe, as well, like five feet. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I like he was like the perfect amount of power, a blue collar, like yeah, Marvel Good little lunatic, yeah, it was good. I used to wake up every morning, make sure I get X Men in before I get to school. That oh, was my yeah. favorite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, beginners, intermediates, and advanced. Uh, how do you classify them? And then how does that actually um, influence their training uh, and the training structure? And this is for, for bodybuilders. Mm. Um, shoot. So I think with the beginner, like, you know, you can, after you get past that, like, I am sore all the time phase, which, you know, if you do it right, two, three weeks and they're fine. You know, this is like fresh out the box. Um, usually it doesn't work that way because usually they go run around, they do whoever's workout and they come to you and they're like, I've been an intermediate for eight years. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but perfect world. Um, yeah, it would be somewhere in, I think in the vicinity of like five to 10 sets per body part, you account for overlap. So overlap, basically, you know, when you chest press, if you do three sets of that, it's like 1.5 to the triceps and the end of your delts. So yeah. um, pretty low Five to 10 per session, per, mu- per muscle group, you mean? Uh, right? Per muscle group a week, a week, a week. So 
Yeah, so not a whole lot. And I, I, my first like beginner bodybuilder training cycle, I think I, I had someone on that like in 2010. And I literally saw this kid, 17 years old, get to the point where, yeah, he deadlifted like 230 kilos. And I'm like, oh, okay. And that happened in six months. And, you know, obviously pretty good potential. But I'm like, man, I ran around in circles, like chasing that that, that figure, you know? Yeah. Um, so I mean, it was very simple. He didn't believe it. He's like, this is just doesn't, I'm out of the gym, like much faster than everyone else. Uh, but it works. And I think that's one thing. It's like if people who are out of shape understood just like they, I think they under, it's like the more fucked you are, like the easier it is. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> how great is that? You can walk yeah. and put on. Um, so, you know, for a beginner, um, you, you, you basically do something with about that much volume. Again, assuming you know how to set up rep ranges and all that. And, um, and it just makes sense. Uh, and you can probably do it for like anywhere between like, I'll, I'll say four months all the way up to six, seven months before it's like, okay, you know, the majority of our work over the course of a week is not progressive anymore. We're going to have to, um, reconfigure things a little bit. So, um, you know, it's a combination at that point in the intermediate phase of upping your volume a bit, something reasonable. I think 25-ish percent is a good place to start, um, which might mean you ha might have to add a, a training day at that point. Um, and and then also just at what rate do you expect improvement? You might have to look at things at that point, like in, you know, weekly to every three weeks, you know, similar to fat loss, you know, somewhere around there. Um, and from there, it's like you have it decently good. Um, for a good two, three years. And then I think if you do it right, you can literally get to the point of like advanced stage development somewhere around like year three or four. Um, and, and I think what were people kind of, I lose people is like, they're like, but I don't look like, uh, uh, Russ Swole. And it's like, well, like, that's Russ Swole. Like everyone's got like different potential. Like I had an athlete a few years back who I swear to you, I think by the time he was 16, like he had more muscle than I'll ever have on my body. And that's, that's just, that's just how it is. So crazy, yeah. man. I don't know what's going on with kids these days. It's just, they're just getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it's, um, it, it's at a certain point it gets really slow but at that point, like if you made it that far, is like training to you is way more than whatever you want it to look like. It's it's yeah. it's part of your culture. It's part of like you taking care of yourself and developing yourself as, as a person. You know, if, if someone told me like, bro, you're, you're never going to gain any more muscle for the rest of your life, which I'm, I'm pretty close to that. Um, I would still do it. I would still show up my four or five days a week and train just as hard because I need to do it. What would be the uh, the volume landmarks uh, for an advanced level? And again, another twenty five percent. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when you get to the intermediate, you know, once you're like you're stuck, you're stuck, and you know, you look at all the other variables like at home, are you sleeping, are you eating right? Um, you know, just other things that are maybe going wrong. Like it, it can be many things. Like you know, form. It's like, well, no wonder you're not progressing. Look at your squat, dude. Um, 
yeah, you tack on and you add when you need to. And, and since it's bodybuilding, you know, and we do kind of tend to look at the human body as a collection of body parts. It's like some body parts say he, this person has really good quads. It's like we're still running on like beginner levels of like quad work and they're growing fine. But mm-hmm. it might be places that are you're, you're throwing more into. Um, so, yeah, you keep doing that. And I, I'd say, you know, if you've been lifting for like three, we'll say like three, four years, maybe five. Uh, we do have some late bloomers there, and especially if you started young, because there's still like physical development, like if someone's in their like, late teens, early 20s. Um, yeah, or, or younger, right? Um, yeah, once you get to the uh, advanced stages, I, I think in general, you're going to see that most people are going to need like uh, beyond double digit sets per body part, and, uh, and probably in some cases closer to 20. And, um, and, and you might need like a month to two months of training and be able to compare those and side by side and see that there were some, some improvements. And that's, and I think more than ever at that point, like keeping track of your data is important because sometimes, yeah, you'll be missing out on both like things that are going right and things that are, that are going wrong. But, um, but again, I think people here advance and they're like, Ooh, like, like that early, like uh, this is it. And it's like, no, you, you can mm. like the ceiling is, is much higher than you think. Um, but like I'd say Helms was a, probably close to a, um, advanced bodybuilder, like somewhere in 2011, like for his genetics, but he's consistently improved, improved, improved. And since like, when you think about it, it's like you're building on top of this mass you already created. Right. So like your pyramid, Eric Helms pyramids, uh, just keeps getting higher and higher. It looks pretty damn impressive. So, um, so I don't want to discourage people because they're like, Oh, well shoot, this is my advanced body. It's like, well, you can still progress. It's just going to be at a different rate. And you might need yeah, like pictures that are like three years apart to be like, Holy crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's much much slower at that point, and uh, you know it's, it's it's so small that the the only way you can really know that you're progressing is <clears throat> you're you're um, able to put on a little bit more weight on the bar, you're able to squeeze out one more rep, you know, after a couple of weeks or whatnot. So you know that you're building building some muscle tissue there. There's some improvements there, and, and that's why that's happening. Uh, going along with that, so I get a lot of uh, a lot of lifters especially um, in their especially younger ones <clears throat> who have a, a couple of tendencies one is they they have a um, reservation on putting on weight um, because they want to stay in this particular weight division because they know they're going to be stronger in that weight division meanwhile he's like seven foot one and mm-hmm. weighs like um, you know um, what was it in pounds um, say 190 pounds, right? Um, maybe maybe even slightly less. So m- my advice always to lifters is just put on the weight, especially when they're young. So I'm talking, you know, guys who are like, you know, 18, 17, 18, 19, or, or even in the early 20s. And um, they just want to continuously do whatever they can to to suppress body weight, to hold in that lower weight division because short term, they're going to be stronger, right? Eventually, they're going to get their ass kicked because they're the tallest person in that weight division. Uh, and and the flip side is, the, well, the, the other similar thing is that uh, 
people want to they have this infatuation with wanting to you know be shredded and have abs when again they're seven foot one and and uh, don't weigh enough that they they should be weighing and my advice is um they should be trying to put on put on weight at a natural rate like putting on size not suppressing uh weight gain because they're at a a point within within their life in terms of biological age where if they were to flood their body with enough calories and training and good sleep they can ride this massive wave uh, into their 20s and then and then eventually into their 30s where they will um, make the most of their uh, the anabolic environment i guess that the body naturally has created for them uh, do you think that's correct? What's your view on that? And do, do you deal with people who also come to you with the, with the same sort of um, dilemma of trying to suppress their body weight and, and stay in the lower body, uh, body weight, whether it's for aesthetic purposes or powerlifting purposes? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I think the when the aesthetics movement like really started and like uh, – my man Aziz was like the the guy, you know, like it's it's just it was it was different because I remember as a kid I would post like pictures of myself on like message board forums and I'm like feedback. So I'm like this height, maybe like 160 pounds, like 12% body fat. They'd be like bulk, which look was not very useful, but um that was that was what we were told to do and we probably took it too far. I, I know I definitely did. But uh, in hindsight, yeah, like by the time I got to be 23, 24, it's like I was ready to compete with the open guys. Like I wanted to compete with like the best natural bodybuilders in the world. And like, again, like that was my thing. It's like, oh, I don't want to lose this window. When I was like 19 and you know my teen national show was, was not going to happen. So I'm like, all right, I think I, I need to take advantage of, uh, of the current situation. And, um, and again, just personally, it's paid off. I, I battle with this, like with like both sides, like the power lifters, the bodybuilders and, and, um, the, well, for the power lifters, I think sometimes like the, I guess it's just doing a little bit better, like for your class right now is what keeps them there. And then obviously like, you know, looking a certain way, but you know, it, it goes back to the whole, like, Hey, you know, you want to at least have like those on the cusp of intermediate advanced levels of like musculature, you know, um, like you want to, that, that's what you want to go equipped with like for the rest of your powerlifting career. But it's a very hard sell because it's, it's like the bulk for bodybuilders. It's like the exact same thing. It's like, you know, it's, it's not necessarily like lifting out of a class where you don't belong in yet, but more so just the fact that like, yeah, when you sit down, you're going to have some rolls. You're going to have to squeeze really hard to see a bicep vein. And look, it's going to be that way for a while. You don't get to cut for the summer like your friends. But, uh, but you know, again, it's it, it's those that just goes across the board. I think it's it's a huge um, advantage in life. If you can get good at the whole delayed gratification thing, like you're going to be awesome at whatever it is that you choose to do. And I think this whole – uh, like lifting thing is, is a great place to, to play because it's relatively low risk at all. It's like, Hey, you missed the bench press, but you know, when it comes to life, life, it's like, yo, pick that up, learn how to do that and, and, and learn how to use that to your advantage and, and be patient in that way. Um, so 
yeah, I, I always try to I connect it to, I guess, like life circumstances and, and how this is going to make you better at life. Because I think a lot of us, we start this because there was something missing in our life. We want to be, you know, just better than we are. And uh, I think sometimes, it, it, I mean, it goes beyond the like, just like feeling like I'm the most jack strong dude in the room. It's like, there's other ways that this can help you. There's sneaky clues there if you pay attention. So especially with those young athletes, it's like once you get them to buy into that, they do it a few times. They see that, hey, not getting what I want right now is going to get me what I really, really want later. It's 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 amazing where they go from there. Uh, speaking of buying, th that's an important one uh, as a coach um, because sometimes, you know, we, we – are going to introduce stuff that's maybe a little bit radical or, or not even radical, just not familiar to the person. Uh, what are some strategies you use uh, to get buy-in from, uh, from clients, from athletes? Mm -hmm. um, well, I think uh, we need to be on the same page when it comes to how stuff works. I think that's huge. Um, so there should be an you know, education component to um, – yeah, to when it comes to the, your coaching system, like it's not just doing, but it's also stopping to learn. Um, and then along with that, I think autonomy is like freaking huge. Like the more power you can put in their hands, um, the more they're going to feel like, hey, you know, I'm not just like someone who's getting hit by the whip here. It's, it's like. I think that's what that's what people think when they think of like especially personal training. It's like I just need someone to kick my butt, and it's like no, you need someone to like teach you, to show you how to navigate, how to make the right decisions. Um, you're a grown up, man. Like no, you, you don't need someone to know how to do things. Um, so yeah, I think education and making them a, a, just an important part of the decision making process, I think, is 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 huge. And look, it makes it kind of hard on the front end, but on the back end both of y'all are just flying and it gets to the point where they can even help you with decisions because they're mm. they know stuff too now you know uh, do you do you find that uh, first of all i completely agree do you find that going with that in regards to um making the, allowing them to make decisions and, and not necessarily cracking the whip every time because that's not what it's about do did you find that as you started to adopt that style of coaching and that kind of approach people were um, like, did people become reluctant to work with you because they thought that that's how it should be, even though they are incorrect. Um, did you find that people came around to it and understood it or no? Did you find that people, there are just some people who just do not like that and, and they want to be told what to do and sort of kind of like a personal training thing where, yeah, they're just directed and guided all the time rather than coached. Yeah, um, man. No, you know what? What there's resistance. I think when we start to employ that a little bit, and often it does get to the point they're like, you know what? Can we just go back to more like less autonomy? Maybe what we were doing a step before, and it's crazy. We do that, and we get there, and they're like, this is just not working no more. Can we go back to what we were doing? Okay, like that's that was on me. It's like I I I really want control over this, this, and that. And I'm like, yes, that's you know, it's it's not until. They see, they go back, they see that it sucked. And now it's, I don't know, like um, maybe I had to make them a, uh, a, uh, a menu of sorts, right? You know, like we had to sit there mm -hmm. and make a menu. And, uh, the, you know, I'm like, all right, no more menu. I want you to just let it flow. They do that. 
they get frustrated. They're like, let's just go back to the menu. Three days on the menu, they're like, forget this. That was worth the trouble. Um, so that's 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 one of those cases where, yeah, yeah, like they'll demote themselves, but right away, almost always, they will promote themselves back to where you think they should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they see the they see the difference for themselves, uh, and I think yeah, the the whole purpose of coaching is ironically so that you can get to a point where you don't need the coach so involved you are you making you can make informed decisions you know where you're going you can you can um play a part in where you're going rather than being told this is the direction we're going all the time just being dragged down a particular road uh, and just uh not having any involvement in your own path and and your own sort of direction where you're going uh, and then get to a point where the coach is there as a, as a mentor, as somebody you can call upon, as somebody you can you can bounce ideas off of, and uh, just continue to get better that way, uh, rather than uh, yeah, just having this personal trainer sort of relationship where you're just told, you know, like an animal, like do this, do this, do this, you know, and we're seeing I think more and more uh, of that deviation from. You know what was what used to be like that many many years ago, and now slowly it's getting to a point where people want to learn more and are chasing after knowledge. You know it's really funny with with this type of industry, like us as as coaches. When you compare it, there is so much information, and so much of the public knows about, um, or at least wants to know about, you know, our line of work. But if you compare it to something like mechanical engineering, you don't see like all this data and information and, and content out there. And then like all these people just know so many somewhat in-depth things, you know, about mechanical engineering. Like they do somewhat in-depth things about about training and coaching and, and uh, performance and stuff like that. So it's cool in a way, also dangerous in a way, like bad in a way because the misinformation. But uh, yeah, in that sense, it's it's interesting. And it's, it's good to see. Um, what's uh, what's in store for you uh, going forward? Any any comps? Anything like that? What are you guys? What are you doing? What what's 3DMJ doing? If you're at liberty to share. Yeah. So I know that. For, like speaking of like just chilling out. Like uh, no, I definitely took out. Like just kind of it was kind of a chill year going into like most of 2019 and then obviously this has just been a different year um but uh but it was what was one of those phases where i just i needed to deload for a little bit and then i come back and i give it my all so um so yeah yeah like um that i I think from this point on um yeah just playing more of the role that i always have been but like I, i would like to think even better going forward um so i'm active again on the youtubes um, and, uh, and just in general, like, I think the team as a whole, I think these next few months we've committed to just putting out stuff on a, on a regular basis. Um, and, and again, like just going for that, that next spurt, right. It's like trying to, trying to, you know, it goes, there's always those landmark weights that it's like, all right, this, we've been here for a while, but you know, not, now we're going to go for it. And that's one thing I think as of right now, we're, um, we're really working on together collectively. So that's going to be fun and, and exciting. Um, no comps, no comps. I'm going to continue with my off season. I think next year in regards to competing, I would love to. Um, I might 
change my mind, but you know how things are. It's like I, I would hate to, uh, um, you know, like start my dieting process and, and then, you know, for one reason or another, not be able to make it to that stage. So, um, so yeah, that'll be placed on hold. But again, hey, first eight years of like my bodybuilding, what did I, yeah, first eight years, like there was no comps, nothing like that. I just, but I trained every day, like I was a month out from the show. So that comes quite natural. And, and it's the version of this that I fell in love with. So I look forward to, to doing that and, you know, sharing it with people. It's funny when I'm lifting, like I'm focused and I'm doing my thing, but that's when ideas hit me like the most, like, like it's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, that's, that's where we're at. We're in a good place, man, but we got to get better, man. We can't be complacent either. Do you feel like, uh, you know, you, cause you, you guys have been doing it for so long now. Uh, one of the OGs in the game in within your field, do you feel you have, for the time that you've been doing it, you have you are you happy with what has been accomplished? Do you feel you've accomplished enough in exchange for that time? Um, yeah, yeah, because you know, it, yes, in many ways. And I think a few years back would have been like, no, we we could have done more. But that's always it's always like that in hindsight, you know. But mm. what you have is like yeah. from this point onwards. So, um, so yeah, like absolutely, like when I was. Um, you know, coming out of school, like out of high school and then looking for, you know, what my career path was going to be. There was just nothing out there that nothing that I'm like, Oh, I really want to do this. It was just more. So I think this is the next step. Um, and thankfully like this, this found me. Um, so just happened to be born at the right time, right place, uh, right in the beginning of kind of like that internet, like I, I guess social media was wrong, but in different ways back then. Um, and, uh, and, and, and yeah, so I, I don't take it for granted because I, I look at what maybe I could have been doing and I don't think I would have enjoyed it nearly as, as much as this. So, um, so yeah, man, like it's, it's, it's crazy to, I guess, just wake up and do what you want to actually do for, for a living. Um, and for anyone considering that, like, and if you know what it is, it's like it's, it's worth pursuing because I think in the back of my mind, I knew I, I wanted to involve this. But I'm like, there's what can you do with bodybuilding? You know, so I stand corrected on that. So, yeah. 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 What, what would you have been doing if this isn't what you were doing? Oh, that's a good question. Um, man. Um, what would I have been doing? I think maybe... I don't think military would have been it. Um, I, I I think it would have been either law enforcement. I think it very very broad. I think it would be law enforcement, um, working with uh, teenage boys in some capacity, or uh, or uh, I think I would have done some sort of trade where I'm just like left alone in my own head and say like get to work on this project for you know. I, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Something like that, I think, would have been my jam. You 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 definitely cl- classify yourself as an introvert. Um, I love people. No, no, like I won't stop talking to people at the gym. Um, but I, I love getting into things and like losing track of time. Like that's one of the yeah, it's so satisfying. You know, like you 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 look at your clock and you're like, oh, like that's I find pleasure in that. You know, just. Focusing on one thing, it's it's a lovely thing. We don't get to do that too much in this world, so it's 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 a nice escape. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, you 
you said you know law enforcement and and uh, working with uh, teenage boys like troubled boys um is there a reason why is there does that do you have history with that do you have experience with that is there a reason you you picked that spe- specifically oh yeah yeah i was, I was troubled like, like beyond and um and I've, I've actually spoken about this in many podcasts but there was this one time where i was on my way to the gym and me and my group of friends were supposed to do something um which i will not name but but we was, we had we had something on schedule but I had gone into the point where I'm like, today's, I think the day I hit those, it was the heaviest dumbbells at that little fitness center gym. And I wanted to hit those before I turned 17. So I, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm like, you know what? I have something to do. Bullshit lie. Cause had I, had I told them I was, I actually want to lift instead of that, they would have been like, come on, bro. So I go, mm-hmm. I get my lift and, uh, yeah, later found out they got in some trouble. So that to me was like a sign, you know, like that. Oh, okay. Like I keep doing this, um, and, and, and keep doing it some more. Cause you need, you need that sort of babysitting. So, um, so yeah, I think especially with like, um, troubled teens, I think quite often the issue is it's, 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 there's, there's just a lot of energy and it just needs to be like reshifted into, something, into something productive. But usually you're working with like, like very intelligent young men who, um, they just need something to like, it on like that's really what it comes down to and options can be limited when you know there's just isn't an abundance of resources around you or a home that encourages you like go look for your purpose so yeah yeah that's crazy man that could have easily just been you with that crew as well you would have been in a different place right now and yeah it is a sign and yeah you're right uh it is a lot of them are very intelligent very smart and um they can make something of themselves if they have the right uh, guidance um, from those early days. Um, I won't take much more of your time, Alberto. I know you got, you're busy, you got stuff on. I, I just wanted to get you on and just uh, uh, pick your brain for a little bit. Hopefully, we can do it again sometime in the future. Um, yeah. But uh, all the best uh, with, with your future with uh, 3DMJ as well. Where can people reach out to you if they want to find you? Uh, so 3dmusclejourney.com, that's our website. Um, you can find basically all our stuff on there. I'm most active on, on Instagram. It's the most practical of, of platforms for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, wait for our new stuff. But at the same time, like we have a lot of stuff going back that's, that's quite good as well. So, um, and it's, uh, it's a collection of us and, and we all bring our own little, I guess, unique flavor to, to the team. Um, but man, no, thank you for having me, dude. Uh, it's, I always enjoy when these things are more like a, I guess, casual conversation type of flow. So yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, man. No problem at all. No problem. Thank you for coming on. And yeah, for everybody listening out there, get onto the 3DMJ guys. Um, everything they do, I mean, they've been around for forever. Uh, everything they do and they say is, is from experience and, um, Alberto himself, uh, knows a lot about a lot so uh, get onto them I'll put, I'll put links in the description uh, for everybody to make it easy Alberto thank you very much so there you have it guys I hope you enjoyed that one make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and rate and share the podcast so we can get it out there as quickly as possible to as many people as possible any feedback is always appreciated send it through to Amir at adonisathletics.com.au Or you can add me on Instagram, the underscore sport performance coach. And looking forward to catching you guys on the next episode.